Hey friends, welcome to the Christian Heritage Podcast. I'm James Pruch. This podcast comes from our weekly live stream where our CEO, Roy Baldwin, and I talk about the intersection of trauma, human flourishing, and the church. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our live stream today. Hope you're having a great Wednesday. I was just thinking right before we hopped on here, Roy, I was like, you know what I love about these? Is this live? There's no editing. You know, we've both been on podcasts. (laughs) And if you say something dumb on a podcast, it's like you can hide it. But here it's like you get the real deal. Um, You do. Oh, my God. That's so true. Real live conversation uh, here today. So, yeah, if you're listening, tuning in, hope you're doing well and that you're having a good week so far. So, um, we're going to talk about human flourishing today and God's people, God's people and our place in it. Um, we talked last week about a recent Barna study and really how people in Omaha in particular are experiencing life and their own needs and struggles and really the church's role in that. And so to follow that up today, uh, we're going to talk about flourishing because that study with Barna uh, got into that a little bit. Um, of course, flourishing is close to our hearts because that's really our vision. Uh, our vision is to see every child flourish in the face of adversity and trauma. But Roy, I think, uh, mentioned last week, to do that, we have to really change the systems around us. We have to change the systems that um, children are a part of, that families are, that, that they exist in. And of course, the church is a big system. And so we want to help the church flourish. We want to help society flourish. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So, uh, Roy, you want to just kick us off and talk about your heart for flourishing and kind of give some context for maybe, you know, really having that new vision. I know we talked about that a few weeks back, but that's what we're all about now, flourishing. So you kind of kick us off. Yeah. Well, you know, I think when we think about the current state of affairs, when you look at our nation, you look at, you know, what's going on in our communities and cultures, you know, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. Um, we've talked maybe a little bit about that already in one of, one of our live streams, but you know, before the pandemic, only about four out of 10 youth were flourishing on what, what you know, there's a couple of different flourishing skills out there, but there's ways of measurement, even Barna's we shared last week is using kind of out of Harvard, this kind of flourishing scale. It looks at these kind of five characteristics for human flourishing. Um, and, you know, if only four out of 10 youth in the U.S. right now were flourishing, you know, we can fight for an argument or make the argument that um, every family, I would say, especially after the pandemic, feels at risk or vulnerable. Yeah. Um, and we're seeing that in te- teen suicides are up, self-harm is up, uh, mental health is up. The CDC just came out with a report, I think, like a month ago, three weeks ago. You know, uh, kids between the t- 10 to 12, I mean, they're seeing an exponential growth of kids who are kind of self-identifying depression, anxiety. Um, you, you, you would be hard pressed to find some really good flourishing measurements right now. And so, you know, I think it, just the wisdom of the board a couple of years ago and, you know, I think us being a part of that process with them is really looking at if if you know, if, if kids are going to be better off because of the work we do, what better way to measure that then is then through this aspect of flourishing. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously there's secular measurements for that, but from a biblical, you know, narrative, we believe that the Bible is full about these attributes that lead to flourishing. We think about biblical flourishing. 
And so for Christian heritage, you know, that is by the means by which we will now measure our success as of probably a year ago. And so obviously we've taken a real hard look at, you know, we have a new mission now, a new vision statement. Those things are have been birthed out of, you know, how we are now defining what, you know, how we will define our outcomes is because kids are better off because of the work we're doing. I think the other side of that is, you know, I think you could also make the argument because children are not flourishing, many of the institutions designed to help children flourish, home, school, government, church at some level are, are not flourishing either. So at some level, we can make an argument that we are failing children and Christian heritage. We're saying is we're not okay with that, Uh, which then I think is expressed in our mission is we believe in changing the future of child welfare because of the work we do. We're not okay with children not flourishing. I don't care whether they're in foster care or not, whether they're in the system or not, is kids need to be better off because us mobilizing God's people around that. So that gets to the heart and nitty gritty of who we are and what we're trying to get after. I love it. So now let's talk about what is flourishing. Yeah, uh, We probably throw that word around a lot. Uh, I hear it, like you said, in secular circles and church circles, there's a lot of definitions. And so I, let's start kind of more broadly and then we can get more narrow. Uh, more broadly, uh, one of the things that we've used here at Christian Heritage that's been really impactful was actually a Harvard study called the, the Human Flourishing Program. And they define it pretty broadly. It's just a state in which all aspects of a person's life are good. So where everything is working in harmony, right? And you could probably think of Genesis 1 and 2, where everything is in harmony and in peace. And you're you're walking, at least in a Christian context, you're walking with God. And there is, you know, goodness and wholeness to life. Now, now in our context at CH, you know, we get to a more biblical point. And so Roy, why don't you share those from our perspective? What is, what's the definition? How do we define human flourishing? Yeah. So the way that we've defined it or the way we're interpreting flourishing is really through three lenses. Uh, The first one is honestly Christ-centered living and spiritual growth. So when you start looking at the flourishing measurements, secular or Christian, uh, and we've talked about this before, you know, when you you cannot remove kind of this, these faith practices out of human flourishing. Uh, I think, I think those, there are those who have tried <laughs> and looked at human flourishing and like, yeah, faith is a big part of human flourishing. Well, those of us who are in the church, have had good experiences with the church, know that the scripture in Christ himself says, like, I, I, I have overcome the world. I'm going to help you overcome yeah. the world. Um, and there, there are aspects of the fruits of the spirit, right? Or those fruits are aspects of flourishing in our life. And so we believe that because of the foster homes, the, the safety that we provide kids, that being a part of a gospel-centered home, yep. church, and those practices lead to, to human flourishing. Um, now, I know that's not always the case, obviously, but, but there's other factors that lead into that. But for us, we've, just, we've defined flourishing as Christ-centered living and spiritual growth and our ability to provide kids that we serve the opportunities to to thrive in that in that kind of Christ-centered environment or gospel-centered environment. Yeah, let's come back to the Harvard study quick because they show in their study. Now, this is Harvard, right? This is they used to be a religious school, not so much anymore. But right. in their study, you know, they found that 
children, and I'm reading this right from their website. You could just Google Harvard Flourishing Study. Oh, yeah. I would encourage you to do that. Yep. Yeah. So do that. So children who were raised in a religious or spiritual environment subsequently were better protected from the big three. They put that in quotes, dangers of adolescence, depression, substance abuse and risky behaviors. Now, we'll talk about this later, but you're not immune to those things. Right. It's not like God is like this card you pull out of your pocket. Like I got God and I don't have any problems in life. No. What, but what they're getting at is you are more likely to be protected from those things. Uh, and well, so right. for them, what they right. found is a religious context facilitates human flourishing. It's it's a necessary ingredient for human flourishing. And so, again, that's coming from from Harvard. Well, and I would add practicing. Right. And that's one of the things that came out of the Barna study in Omaha. Right. Seventy seven percent are saying yep. you know, they identify as Christian, but only 18 percent are practicing. Right. Yep. And so there, there are attributes that have to be practiced. And we know that from a foster care perspective <clears throat> of, you know, it's one thing to open up your home. It's another thing to be trauma informed. It's another yeah. thing to understand trauma and your own trauma. And how do you make attachments and, you know, helping a child feel safe and connected. I mean, all of those things that we teach in our foster homes, I mean, that for us, that is a part of that Christ-centered living and spiritual growth. Um, yeah. On that same page that as you go down that page, if you, if you go, if you go there, um, they say those who, this gets to the practices, those who attend religious services are 12% less likely to suffer from depression, 33% less likely to use drugs. Uh, those who attend religious services are 18% more likely to report high levels of happiness. Those who pray or meditate frequently are 38% more likely to volunteer in their community, 47% more likely to have a sense of mission and purpose. So that gets at the practice. So when you're engaged in your context yeah. and you're you're pursuing, and, and the thing about it that strikes me, Roy, is like they don't even say Christian. <laughs> so it's not like, Oh, you have to do it this way. Of course, that's what, you know, we're, we follow Jesus, right, right. but you know, but it's, it's religious practice has benefit. Oh, it does. For, Huge. For humans. Yeah. Huge. Measurable, right? We're not talking, I have an idea. I have an opinion. This is what the Bible says. I mean, there's hard evidence of showing that, you know, when you kind of, again, we do it God's way, yep. th there are, there are going to be those kinds of things. And I would also reference in terms of flourishing some of the work that Vern Bankston highlights in his book, Faith and Families, that it's not just the practices, it's actually the emotional warmth um, that, that a child experiences with their parents. So it's not just what you do, it's the quality of that relationship as well, where that child feels safe, where their faith you know, is, is ignited and that it's transmitted, you know, generationally, the yeah. more broken that relationship, it doesn't matter how, what you're practicing. Um, they will do that. And I think Lifeway has some great re research on that as well, sure. that when you look at kids kind of walking away from the faith, so yeah. to speak, and that's a broad term. Um, yeah. But the reality is, is that one of the major reasons they do it is because of hypocrisy. It's like mm -hmm. they say one thing on Sunday, but they live something out very differently. Yep. And again, I think those are all attributes and aspects of flourishing. So at Christian Heritage, that's one of the things that we're, we're really looking at. Not just, you know, are we opening up and providing homes for children who are at risk? But what does a really a flourishing home look like? And how do we allow that experience to at least manifest itself in ways that can reduce trauma, can counter trauma in a way that ultimately leads to human flourishing for that child. 
And as we know, foster care does not necessarily have the best, you know, record when it comes yeah. to that. And, you know, again, that's what we're, you know, we're not about playing a game here. We really are after kids being better off because of the services we provide. Yep. And be honest with you, that takes a really hard look in the mirror, right? I think oh, one yeah. of the things that we've done as Christian Heritage over the last two years and is, is really take a hard look in the mirror about who we are and what we're doing and really looking at and aligning who we are towards children flourishing. And that's hard. I would just say anyone who's been around the last two years will say this has been a hard go for us to really investigate deeply about the programs that we that we're providing. And again, if you know, like, you know, so I have a different background, James, you know where I'm at, but maybe the viewers like, well, where's Roy at? I'm in Omaha. I'm at our Omaha office, just spent just a couple of hours with our foster care team up here. Just so proud of the work they're doing. And and so many of the conversations that we just had was about how do we help them? How do we help our foster families flourish? Yeah. And man, talk about candid conversations, but that's, but that's the mission and work that we've been called to do. Okay. So the other two parts of the flourishing yeah. interpretation, Yep. I'll, so, just, I'll, I'll read those and then you can comment on yeah. positive relationships across all aspects of life and then personal skills and values needed to make good choices and live responsibly. Right. So let me, I'll address the first one, positive relationships across all aspects of life. So again, a lot of this is based on some of the best research out there on human flourishing and on children and, and youth. Um, so like, so one way that we'll measure this is children and youth will demonstrate positive relationships where they feel safe and valued. So one of the things that we're building within Christian heritage is our ability to measure that. So we're going to be asking kids, do you feel safe and valued as a part of being a part of Christian heritage? So that'll be one way that we'll measure that. Uh, but it's only one way. But again, positive relationships across all aspects of life. And this is what we've been talking about. The institutions which are serving children have to be flourishing as well. Right. Um, and so we have to be very self-aware. We have to be other aware in terms of the services that we provide. And then the third one is personal skills and values needed. So so example would be children and youth will demonstrate a commitment to learning both in and outside the home, um, exhibit positive values such as honesty, responsibility and restraint. Um, will exemplify social competencies as planning and decision making. You know, because again, for example, you know, uh, we want to embed in our kids the skills and values needed yeah. to become these flourishing, productive citizens, uh, whether it's in the workplace or in their home, within their churches, is we want to give them the skills needed to do that. So those are the three ways that we're measuring flourishing right now as an organization. That's great. Yeah, I, I love that we're focusing on that because for those of you who don't know me, I used to be a pastor. I used to be in campus ministry. So um, so that's kind of my context. And I usually see the world through that lens. <clears throat> and I think there's a lot of times when people in the church, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, Roy. There's a lot of times where people in the church think, well, we just need to kind of get people saved and get them to heaven. And, you know, why do we really need to focus on making the world a better place or, or human flourishing, social justice, that kind of stuff? Um, and but yet when I see Jesus in the Gospels, I see him fulfilling this uh, this calling that that he had on his life as Messiah to say, I am bringing the kingdom of God to earth. I didn't come to just take people away. And now you, my disciples, 
you know, I'm sending you out. And so, so I love the focus on that, but I think it can, you know, off, often rub, rub Christians, rub us, rub the church the, the wrong way. What do, what do you think about that? No, no, I, ab- I absolutely, I absolutely agree, James. I, you know, again, those are, those are the things that, why well, I think we've done such a hard look in the mirror um, about who we are and what we're doing. And then for us, then how do we help mobilize people around what we know? You know, so for example, you know, we use kind of trust-based relational intervention to inform our practices. It informs how, what we think about flourishing. So like here in Omaha, you know, we just, you know, the, the Omaha staff here was doing a devotion this morning from the connected child. So the connected child is kind of tied by Dr. Karen Purvis's work with trust-based relational intervention. I'll read this real quick. This is getting to, I think, what you're talking about. Uh, In the the devotion, it says, we need to also cling to the truth that no life is too broken, no past too imperfect, no heart too wounded for our loving God to redeem and begin to heal. Jesus has extended the invitation, come to me, all you who are weary and burning, and I will give you rest. And so I think that's the kind of environment that we want to foster um, as we think about this idea of of human flourishing. I love that. Yeah, I mean, Jesus was a healer, and he didn't just say, hey, I'm going to die for you in a few years. He said, I'm going to meet you where you're at, whether it's I'm going to touch you, I'm going to invite myself over, I'm going to extend forgiveness, whatever it was, however he needed to do that, he was a healer. So so that kind of leads into our last question here as we kind of come to a close. You know, how can the church work towards human flourishing? in the world? I mean, specific local churches, like how do they think through this? Um, and, and then maybe we could talk about some ways that as an organization, we can help that because we really do see ourselves as a, a para church. We are alongside the church in a very specific niche uh, to help. But uh, let's talk, how, how can the church work toward flourishing in the world? Thoughts Man. on that? Man, listen, James, if we have the answer to that, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, I, that's a great, it's a great question. Um, I think every church really needs to take a hard look at yeah. how are families really doing in their church? I, I, I think that's where you Starts start there. Yep. Um, you know, the data would say that they're not doing well. Um, and it's, those are broad statements, right? So again, I think this is why a church really has to take the time. But like we saw in the Barna study last week, you know, one out of three people attending church, sitting in their pews, mm-hmm. have experienced some level of trauma, yep. right? Yep. So if, if we're Incredible. not, right, if we're not designing our programming with that understanding, we will miss the target every single time. Yep. So I think, so I think the church has to take a hard look at itself, just like we have, like we've hard, we've done a hard introspection about everything we do and Lots of things we like, lots of things there's some things we haven't liked. And, you know, we, we've been actively pursuing to be a healthier organization. Every church has to do that. And again, if you don't know your people attending your church, like it's hard, right? That's why I like, man, if we have the answer to this one for every church. Yeah. Um, but in, in terms of leadership, man, yeah. just just sit down and listen to your families. Look at how your youth are doing. And, and really, it's like, how do we come alongside the, fam- the family? I think, number one, and this is why. Um, this is the conversation we just had here with the staff is because I think the church is the only institution, if I could use that word for the church, is the only institution that has the potential of coming alongside a family generationally. Yep. Schools, all, all of that stuff, like government, all of those things are very temporary at some level. Yep. 
but the church is generational, right? Some of us are sitting in the same pews our parents went to and our grandparents went to. Like, and if you're not flourishing in there, I mean, who else can do that but the church? So I think the church really has to look at not just what is our current issue, but what's our long-term view? How is faith transmitted? What's the gospel look like? And then we need to craft all of the supports and programs that we do alongside of that. And again, that's just Roy's opinion. Like, I don't. That's, that's good. That's not that's the gospel, really but I think that's what that's, I think that's the work that needs to be done. And I think that's what we're trying to champion is we're failing children. We've got to do a better job. How can we be a part? How can we be a part of some of the answers with what our, what our families and our youth are tackling today? And I think we can, we can help with that. No, that's really good. And maybe I could double click on the initial thing you talked about, taking a hard look at your own congregation. You know, I, I was actually just talking with my wife about this. There has to be in congregations, things that are happening in families that the leaders know nothing about. Mm -hmm. There has to be abuse happening. There has to be depression, drug use, alcohol abuse. I mean, you name it. I mean, you just go down the list. But in the church world, we're really good at hiding that. And so I think as a, as a former pastor and to all the pastors out there, you know, leaning into that and confronting it head on with a lot of gentleness and tenderness, you know, that could mean conversations, focus groups, sermon series, whatever, to say, we are going to talk about this. And you can come to us without guilt or shame because we're all in this together. And I think if you can have that, we are doing this together. We're not picking on you or you, or it's not just something the pastor gets to talk about because he had some you know, emotional breakthrough when he was in therapy, like this is what we're doing together. We're leaning into this together and having that community mindset, I think could help put people at ease because I think if Roy, if you got up there on a stage at your church and said, Hey, we're going to do this. People would go, I'm going to get found out. Mm -hmm. So how do you, how do you go into that space without putting people, uh, without putting people off, without making it seem like you're on some kind of a witch hunt to find out who's not flourishing out here. No, we're all to some level not flourishing because we're sinful and broken. And so we're in this together. So how do we do this together? Now, again, the specifics will vary. It's like, yeah, like you said, we can't give every church specific answers, but that that the way that you introduce that topic will make or break how well um, it'll, it'll, it'll make or break whether or not you're able to actually learn about your congregation. Well, if you introduce it poorly, right. people will get very turned off. They'll be like, you're trying to get into my dirty laundry. It's like, no, no, no. We're here to serve. We want to help you flourish. We want to help you grow with Jesus. We're not just out here to try to find right. out who's, you know, not, not doing it the right way. That's not what this is about. Well, it's not. And again, when we talk about flourishing, we're not talking about perfect. There's nothing, there's no aspect of flourishing that's perfect. Actually flourishing would say, actually, it's the, in some ways, maybe not the opposite of that. Um, so, so I, I don't equate that. And then the other thing I would yeah. just say is um, it might be time to get a new definition of the gospel. Then if, if you can't equate to the fact that when Jesus came, he didn't say, I didn't, I didn't come for the healthy, yep. you know, I, I didn't come for the perfect. I came for those who are broken and sick. And so part of that is just acknowledging what the work he actually did for us on the cross. And then at some hours it redeems our brokenness. 
that in then I think of in the Corinthians where he says, now out of your own comfort that you have received through your brokenness, now go serve and love and help others flourish because that's the way he's designed the church. That's how we advance his kingdom. I think we're all walking billboards of his gospel, not because I have it together, but because I don't. Exactly. That's getting at the heart of that. So I think that's our encouragement because, you know, again, with the work that we do coming alongside a lot of brokenness. That's what we do as a Christian heritage. We've been doing it for 40 years. You know, we've learned, I think we've learned a lot through mm-hmm. that. I think we learned a lot about ourselves and realizing how broken, yep. listen, I'm about as broken as they come. Yep. I, you know, ask anybody, you know, that works with me. I, I'm not a perfect person at all, but it's being able to acknowledge that it's being able to work through that. It's yep. having brothers and sisters that come alongside me and helping with that. That's true for you. But again, if we're just constantly modeling that we have it all together, man, who's going to feel safe enough to talk about their brokenness? So we have to model that in our leadership that, you know, we're broken, desperate people for Jesus. I used to be this way. This is how I am now. It's not because of my work. It's because of the work he did on a cross. So I think that's that's the message that has to come. That has to come through. That's good. That's a good final word. I love it. Well, thanks for watching and listening today. We'll be back again next week. Um, with another topic, TBD. Um, That's right. We'll announce that on social media. So thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Roy, thanks. good catching up with you. Hope you enjoy all as well. All right. Thanks, everybody. All right. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, and share so more people can find us. If you have a question or a topic you want us to cover, you can reach out to us through our website at chne.org.